0: With the 13th pick in the NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select.
1: You're listening to The Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA.
2: Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game, let us worry about getting you there. Auto Repair, Roadside Assistance, and Auto Insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello everyone and welcome to The Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. For those unfortunate viewers out there, we are now in the video version yes. as well. Chris McPherson alongside Fran Duffy. And uh, Fran, it's been a little while. Spend the last couple weeks on the road going to St. Pete for yes. the Shrine game. Last week in Mobile, Alabama. Sure. Checking out the uh, top senior draft prospects at the Senior Bowl. A lot of great content for both you and Alex Smith and all Thank the you. guys. Brian Thomas, our producer behind the scenes. Ray Dole, everyone else who helped out from the production standpoint. Uh, but it's time to get things back going here at the Novacare Complex. Back I'm back. I'm back in the South yeah, now. You know, excited. start start getting acclimated to the process here. Um, we have a great show for you today. We have Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com who did a an Eagles-only mock draft. Nine players, rounds one through seven. We're going to go through pick by pick and have him explain his reasoning for each of those selections. We're going to start off, of course, with our draft buzz and our good friend Tony Pauline from DraftInsider.net. Drop some bombs exclusively on PhiladelphiaEagles.com in a weekly column that you'll see each and every Monday leading up to the draft. Our uh, pick six, who made some money the last couple weeks? The best players are the players who improved their stock the most from the Senior Bowl and the Shrine game. We're going to have your questions in our draft mailbag. Our on-the-clock, our game for this week is going to be a crystal ball. I'm gonna oh, ask right. Fran to look into the future. I'm gonna offer some statements. Will they be true or not?
0: Going in fresh, because yeah, I, I haven't looked at the sheet nothing good. whatsoever. Be interesting.
2: And the unofficial visit <laughs> is Navy's Keenan Reynolds, That's right. the quarterback turned running back who turned some heads and uh, might be one of those players we mentioned in pick six who. Helped his stock. Potential oh. slot
0: receiver. Mike Mayock said he could potentially be a receiver. Ooh. Julian Edelman. The 2. Julian 0. Edelman type. Yes. Yeah, yes. yes. So it'll be interesting to watch.
2: Can definitely see the comparisons there. So again, thank you very much for your support. And whether you're watching on video, listening on audio. No matter where you consume the Journey to Draft podcast presented by AAA or any of our other podcasts, make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to see moving forward, what we can do better. It's all about you, the fans out there, whether you're Eagles fans, draft Knicks, just want to get a little more inside info. We're here for you guys. So, as we do always, let's kick things off with Draft Buzz.
1: Now it's time for Draft Buzz.
2: All right, to start things off on Draft Buzz, we're going to delve into Tony Pauline's column that he wrote for com on Monday, his Draft Buzz column. And we'll obviously touch on a couple of things outside of that, but so many great nuggets. Yeah. And we'll start off with Carson Wentz, the big story from the Senior Bowl. Can the North Dakota State prospect hang with the big boys? Can he show up in front of the NFL decision makers and top scouts? And it certainly looked like he was up to the task. In fact, he was impressive in team meetings. He impressed the decision makers with his knowledge of the X's and O's. Bottom line is, it looks like that there will be two quarterbacks going in the top five of this year's draft class because Pauline said that not only will Wentz go in the top five, Jared Goff from Cal, underclassman, was not at the Senior Bowl. You'll get to see him at the combine where he will, quote unquote, throw the hell out of the ball, according to one of his sources. But Wentz stepping up big time, showing that he belongs in the NFL. Even Eagles head coach Doug Pearson saying that this is a kid who could play at the next level.
0: Yeah, you check all the boxes with Carson Wentz in terms of his performance at the senior bowl. He showed the arm strength. Check it it off. Check it off. Showed the arm strength, showed the accuracy, showed the mobility. Obviously, all the off-field questions Tony Pauline says that he answered. Uh, I had heard that he was going to be good at the chalkboard with teams, so obviously was able to impress in that fast of the game as well. Uh, Certainly was the best quarterback down in Mobile.
2: All right, so we'll say on the quarterbacks, that's always the juiciest topic. Those are the players that fans know the most about. And one with the semi-local ties, Penn State quarterback Christian Hackenberg will not fall out of the top 75 picks Huge in bond. this year's draft, according to Tony Pauline, even coming off of back-to-back struggling seasons, struggling performances, so to speak, yep. there in State College.
0: Yeah, and it's something that, look... I'm a big fan of Tony, of, uh, of Tony, well, of Tony, Tony Pauline, Pauline. but also of, of, Tony of Christian Pauline. Hackenberg because he's got, he's got potential that not a lot of these quarterbacks have. I mean, he's got a strong arm. He shows the accuracy from in, within the pocket. He works with bodies around him. Now, there are times, sure, he does not work well with bodies around him. I was there at the Temple game, C-Mac, where I felt like he got sacked 13, 14 times, and he looked shell-shocked. That was in August. That was week one. So seeing him in that phase uh, you know, that early in the season was a little bit scary. But, as you continue to watch more, you start to see more of those pro-style throws. He worked in a system where it was not the best fit for him. It was personnel. It was not great. I think a lot of teams are going to look at him and say, you know, we can we can polish that. We can refine that. Mm. Uh, very, very it's exciting. It's it dangerous. always dangerous because it's a little tempting. That fruit looks so good. I know. But you can, you, you can count me on his bandwagon yeah. because and I'm going to be lonely. I'm going to be like the... Uh, you know, the, the string band going down with the ship of Titanic. Like, that's going to be me with Christian Hackenberg. I mean, I, I'm a big fan You're of... You're going to leave a space on the raft? Yeah, no, I'm going to leave <laughs> for, space. For Hackenberg, you, you won't push in. him off? If, like, if, you, if you want to jump in, you can jump like in. Like, for Leo DiCaprio <laughs> get pushed off by Kate Winslet? Yeah, I mean, Hack, look, you can see how Hacken- i got sp- I got room for you Never let go. I'm never letting go of, uh, of Christian Hackenberg. But um, obviously has all the ability in the world. It, it, look, it's, it's um, the case. And it, that's why I was interested to see... <laughs> the, uh, the report from Tony and yeah. talked to Adam Kaplan from ESPN, same deal. Was that he had heard from people around the league, people were very, very high on Christian Hackenberg. So it'll be interesting to watch.
2: I'm waiting for a Kaplanism to be uh, dropped in there. So We've already dropped too much right yeah, now so far. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no love, however, for another Big Ten quarterback, Connor Cook, who did not, he elected not to go to the yeah. Senior Bowl. Now, I know you had touched on this with Alex Smith on an early edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast down in Mobile, Alabama. Phil Savage, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, he's been known to out some players in the past. For players who didn't handle the, um, the decision-making process when it comes to attending the game or not yep. properly, guys who might drop out at the very last second don't give a good reason, he'll, he'll tell the evaluators who are in Mobile, you need to find out more about this guy. Why did he drop out? Was Connor Cook in that category? Did he out him? Or is it just the fact that teams are going to wonder why Connor Cook just simply decided not to show up?
0: I think the agents and the, pros- and the prospects after what happened last year and so many guys put on blast by Phil Savage in that weigh-in uh, pumped the brakes a little bit and it really handled their business and how they rejected the offer. It was a, an all-time low in terms of prospects that said no to the Senior Bowl this year. Only 16 players for one reason or another decided not to go and only three of them were non-injury related and Connor Cook was one of them. So uh, apparently he handled his business correctly, yeah. respectfully told them in a timeful manner that he was not going to uh, make it down there to Mobile. It's a shame he didn't go because he would have ch- had a chance to prove himself alongside Carson Wentz that he belongs to the top of the quarterback discussion. Obviously, that will have to wait until the combine, so we'll wait to Indianapolis.
2: The question is going to be for NFL teams is, obviously he has some talent. Yeah. The thing is, he was not voted a captain, which you almost assume is going to be the quarterback in most instances, unless you just have an unbelievable personality.
0: Especially a a three-year starter quarterback. Not even like, oh, it's his first year. No, a three-year starter quarterback, and he wasn't named a captain. That's going to be something that's going to raise a lot of eyebrows. And
2: Tony Pauline said he was getting a lot of flack from Spartans fans. I wonder if Ike Reese was one of them because of the fact that he put out there that teammates haven't spoke highly of the quarterback. It's like, "How how dare you badmouth our guy? Well, that's going to be one of the questions that Cook will have to answer during those interviews of the combine.
0: Yeah, and it'll be very interesting to watch how that narrative, uh, the ebbs and flows of how that story with Connor Cook starts to progress as the draft process wears on.
2: All right, so we'll get off the quarterbacks for a second sure. here. How about Nick Vanette, one of the big winner, winners of the Senior Bowl? Could he be the first tight end off the board in this draft class? I know Hunter Henry from Arkansas, yeah. another noble name. Many people think that maybe he's a more talented prospect, but Vanette at this point, more polished in terms of the blocking aspect? Do you think that would be the difference? I,
0: I think both still have a little bit of improvement there, but I think Vinette's probably a little bit further along. I like the Ryan Malick kid. He was down at the Shrine game. He wasn't even at the Senior Bowl. I like Ryan Malik as well. Uh, the, the law firm Henry Kr- krieger Koble from Iowa as well, I think it has some ability. He's a little bit smaller, but I, I think it's an interesting tight end class. A lot of, We have talked all season about how the tight ends and the corners in this draft were going to he- be heavily dependent on which juniors declared. And there were a lot of t- talented juniors that went back. O.J. Howard from Alabama, mm-hmm. the Clemson kid, Leggett, I mean, uh, a- Ingram from Ole Miss. A lot of those talented underclassmen tight ends went back to school. So you see Hunter Henry from Arkansas, you see David Greenwich from NC State, Austin Hooper from Stanford. Now we'll see how they mix in with the senior class.
2: All right, a position that could be a question mark for the Eagles, depending on what happens with Walter Thurman, safety. Obviously, you have a pro bowler in Malcolm Jenkins, who will be the star alongside him in 2016. That remains to be seen, but one possible prospect could be Boise State's Darian Thompson, who, according to Tony Pauline, has been graded as a late first-rounder. This is by a team that apparently is not in the market for safety, but nonetheless... You know, there are some teams who are pretty high on Darren Thompson.
0: Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. I think sure. I think there's still some some areas that need to improve. Obviously, his production on the ball was very very good, especially as a junior in 2014. Uh, had a load of interceptions and was very very productive. The question will be coming downhill. How how will he do? He was a guy that didn't back down from competition this past week. He was obviously coming from a mid major school, going up against some talented. Wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs out of the backfield from bigger schools did not back down in those, one-on-one, uh, in those one-on-one practice sessions this week at the Senior Bowl. So an intriguing player. I think the safety class overall is pretty intriguing because there's a, a wide variety of skill sets. Thompson is definitely one of those back-end free safety type players. All
2: right, so a little mock draft stuff to wet your whistle a little bit year. here. So it's a, Oh, definitely that time, of, time year. of year. Well, the thing is, it starts earlier and earlier every year, but now it's really getting into full swing. Uh, we're going to pull this one from CBS Sports. Rob Rang and Dane Burgler did a dual mock draft. And at number 13... B.T., do we have a drum roll that we can do a video version? You know, a <laughs> no, go... no drum roll. I can give it
0: to exactly.
2: you. Right exactly. Uh, they go D lineman, A. Sean Robinson, yeah. a defensive lineman.
0: Yeah.
2: Number 13 well, from so, Alabama. Well, but... so
0: here's the thing with Robinson. It's, a, it's a, the question of the debate of talent versus skill. And I think that he's got loads of talent. I mean, he's yeah. got great size. He's 315 pounds. He's 6'5". You know what he can be against the run. He's so strong at the point of attack and he, he's got the athleticism to be really, really disruptive. He's just not there with his hands yet as far as getting after the passer. His sack production was really low, and not just the production, just in terms of attacking offensive tackles. I think he's got a lot of room to improve, but his upside is very, very high. I think I saw someone from NFL Network has him ranked as the top defensive lineman in the class ahead of DeForest Buckner from Oregon. I think that he's got that kind of potential He'll, he'll be an interesting guy, and I think that he could be a fit for a one-gap or two-gap scheme. I think the Eagles and, and Jim Schwartz and this new scheme coming in Philadelphia, he would be a fit there. I would be a little surprised to see them go D tackle in round one.
2: Well, you, you never, never know. know. You never know. You want
0: the you want the most talented players, and he he very well could be right there at 13th overall.
2: It's funny because when you were saying it's a matter of talent versus need, yeah. I thought you were going to go with talent versus need from the team standpoint, sure, right? obviously, because you could say, look, the Eagles defensive line, arguably the most talented unit. Yep. Now, obviously, they're going to have to look at it overall and see what changes they might want to make based on a new scheme, because yep. you were drafting guys for the two-gap, three-four mold the last couple seasons. How will that change with this attacking 4-3 scheme? Nonetheless, Ashawn Robinson would be a nice fit, but is it too, too much of a luxury there at 13 when you have other... That,
0: you need to that, would, that would be the question, and we saw Jim Schwartz do it in Detroit. I mean, he, he had Dominic Su already. What did he do? He went out and he Nick drafted Fair. Nick Fairley in the top ten. Now, Robinson, like I said, I mean, he's a, he's a really intriguing talent and big guys like that. The other thing, too, with him, he's got a high motor. I mean, he's running 30 yards downfield making tackles with running backs down the field. I watched him against LSU. There was a play where the, the quarterback rolled left. He matched him step for step, turned around, went back right. Robinson matched him step for step going the other way. He threw the ball to a tight end the on other, the other side of the field. He put his foot in the ground, retraced his steps, and made the tackle. I mean, a really ridiculously athletic play for a 315-pound human being. Robinson is really, really intriguing. All right, Fran, so
2: how about another look at a mock draft? Not just any mock draft, but an Eagles nine-pick mock draft done by Jimmy Kempsky from phillyvoice.com. He is this week's Mr. Relevant.
1: It's time for Mr. Relevant.
2: For this week's Mr. Relevant on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, we bring in none other than Philly Voices' Jimmy Kemsky, who, did, who, who was crazy enough this early in the yeah. process to not only do an Eagles-only mock draft, but his second version of it. He's already <laughs> done two versions of an entire nine-pick draft for the Eagles using only their picks. So, Jimmy, you have a... Well, actually... There's something more important we need to get into.
0: Yeah, I think so. Apparently, there were some
2: hijinks that happened down in Mobile, Alabama during the Senior Bowl. So before we get into the important stuff, we got to get this out of the way here. Jimmy, from your estimation, from your recollection, what happened at the Senior Bowl?
3: <laughs> You're talking about the garage gate? Yeah, yes. Yes, <laughs> correct. The garage gate. Yeah. So <laughs> I stayed at the Holiday Inn down there, and across the street from the Holiday Inn is Parking garage, and I just walk up to the parking garage. The gate is out of sight, out of mind, because there's a car sitting at the gate, paying or doing whatever he's doing, but the gate was up. So the car finished doing what he was doing, and it pulled out, and I just, you know, having nothing in front of me, continued to walk through into the parking garage to go get my car, and out of nowhere, just bang! parking garage door gate just comes down squarely on my forehead and opened up a couple cuts. And uh it was like the as soon as it happened, it, 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 it was really just surprise and confusion more than pain. It was just I was just trying to assess what had just happened to me. <laughs> and then I, I was able to diagnose that I was hit in the face with a metal parking gate garage. And it kinda hurt. So I go up to my car and uh you know, I'm looking for stuff in my car like some kind of napkin or, or, you know, whatever I can find that I can put on my forehead. That's, You know, I wouldn't say it's gushing blood, but you know, it's, it's coming out. So, sure enough, Fran and Alex Smith come up, and they're parked like two spots away. And uh, I say, do you guys have any napkins <laughs> with, with my head, you know, full of blood? blood flowing down his forehead. <laughs> and Fran's just like, yeah, yeah whatever, we've got to go to practice. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had no idea. Are you serious? He is yeah. right, so in the zone. <laughs> I, didn't I mean, I didn't say that so much. But he was just totally just like he was in his he was in his zone and he was locked in on the prospects that he was about to watch and was just really concerned about getting in the car and getting to the getting to lad People Stadium.
0: It wasn't until this at the afternoon where Alex said. Friend, yeah, Jimmy was bleeding in our car. You didn't even know. You just ignored it, and you put the car in reverse, and you almost backed over him. Like you were ready to go.
3: That's 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 draft dedication right there. Is what you call that?
0: Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm mean, sorry. You know, in retrospect, I apologize, Jimmy.
3: All good. Nope. No worries at all.
2: Fran said, "Which reporter can we get out of the way? <laughs> just knock him off one by one. Oh, he's already bleeding head. Boom. Just run him over, and then we can move on here. So, uh." I don't know how to segue from that into your mock draft here, so maybe you have a clearer mind after getting banged in the head down there, Mobile. But your first pick here, Paxton Lynch. Now, I'm not going to ask you to go through your dissertation on Sam Bradford, what the Eagles can or can't do there. Uh, It's documented on phillyvoice.com pretty thoroughly. I think you said it's over 2,200 words to be exact. But nonetheless, we're going in with the premise that the Eagles are going to need to get their quarterback here, and you think that they can get him. At number thirteen, why do you think that one of the big three, assuming that Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are going to be the other two quarterbacks involved here, why do you think Lynch might be able to slide to thirteen for the Eagles?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't, (laughs) I don't know. It's 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 February second, and you know this time last year, you're looking at guys like you know Teddy Bridgewater, who were you know people had in the top ten, and you know you have other guys that. Um, you know, are going to rise and fall throughout the process. Really, not even rise or fall. It's it's, it's you know, the, the NFL people already kind of have their evaluations, um, you know, pretty set on these guys. It's just about the media kind of catching up to what they're thinking. So you know, who knows like how far um, you know, especially quarterbacks are, are going to you know kind of go up and down the board, the, the, the quote unquote board, the media version of the board. Uh, so you know, by the time the, uh, the end of April rolls around, it could be a totally different spot. But you know, up to three, it seems like he kind of has. The shine taken off him a little bit. He lost three straight games at the end of the season to Temple, Houston, and Navy. And then he had a really bad uh, ball game performance against uh, Auburn. So I think people kind of have soured on him a little bit. But what I see there is a really, really good player. He's mobile. He's got a really strong arm. He's big at six You can see over that offensive line. You can see over the defensive line. And really, I think he's, he can just make all the throws. And he kind of had, has you know a lot of upside at that position. Maybe needs a little bit of refinement, but for, from the Eagles' perspective, you have a bunch of coaches that were former quarterback coaches, so I think it would be a good fit for him maybe find a bridge quarterback to play for year one or so, and then when Lynch is ready, you put him in there. And this is, of course, assuming you know, that, that they do move on from Sam Bradford.
0: Jimmy, you were down at the Senior Bowl. You got a chance to see Carson Wentz in person. A lot of people very, very impressed with the kid from North Dakota State. What did you see from him, and do you think at this point it's a foregone conclusion he's going top five?
3: Yeah, I think he's really good. And the, the word that I kind of used to describe him that week was everything just kind of looked effortless. Like, there's, there's – I mean, it just looked easy, Tim, the, the way he was making sideline throws, you know, 15, 20-yard out throws. It just looked easy for me. He showed off the, sh- the strong arm. You really see the difference when they were going through reps, and he'd throw, the pa- he'd throw a pass, and then you know the next guy up would be a guy like you know, like Cody Kessler. <laughs> you can see the, the enormous difference in, in the zip that they both have on the ball. And I, I thought he was really impressive. We didn't even get to see – you know, his entire skill set there, I mean, another that's another, like we mentioned with, with Paxton Lynch, Wentz is another guy who can run. I mean, he can do things uh, in terms of, you know, getting out of the pocket and, and, and you know, escaping pressure and, and, and you know, getting yards uh, down the field as, as, with his legs. So, you know, we didn't get to see all that, but just in terms of his arm strength and just kind of looking the part down there, you know, I was impressed with, with what I saw. And I, I think top five, sure, I, I could see that happening, but I think for sure he's, he's I think he's solidified his spot in the top ten.
2: All right, so we'll go from the first round to the third round. The first of two third round picks for the Eagles, and another I won't say surprise because I, I'm sure that depending on Sam Bradford, what happens there, Eagles fans could see a quarterback at number thirteen. But to start off the third round, you have Louisiana Tech running back Kenneth Dixon, a fan favorite of one Fran Duffy. That's true. Should call a Fran favorite at a this Fran point. Fran favorite. A so Fran favorite yep. in the process here, uh, but. The reasoning was quite intriguing because you figure DeMarco Murray will definitely be back, but the Eagles are going to need to look to the future of the position, so to speak. In your estimation, uh, tell us more about Ken Dixon and why you think he could be a possibility for the Eagles here in the third round.
3: Yeah, and that's the that's the pick that got the most. Um, I wouldn't say hatred, but you know, just you know, people like, oh, they're not going to take a running back that early. And I think it's kind of a sneaky, underrated need. Because, you know, you mentioned DeMarco Murray, who's going to be back with the team. It's going to cost him far more to cut him than it is to keep him. He's not going anywhere, and there's no reason to get rid of him. But he's going to be back in 2016. 2017, you know, if he doesn't have some kind of, you know, massive uh, comeback season in, in 2016, then he's probably going to be gone uh, for, before the 2017 offseason kind of gets underway there. So we have to have somebody in place. You have Darren Sproles, who's getting older, he's 33 years old, I believe. You have Ryan Matthews, who, you know, when healthy, is really good but is rarely fully healthy. So, you know, that's, that's the guy who, you know, maybe if you draft a running back, you can get something for him in a trade um, for a team that's looking to bolster the running game. But I think they kind of have to get a guy in now, get him ready. Cause I think the perception is that rookies can come in and, and play really well from day one. And sure, you have David Johnson this year who did that. You have Todd Gurley who did that. But that's not really the norm. So I think if you get a, a running back in there this year, he can really be ready to go in 2017 when it's going to be a much greater need.
2: Well, Frank, why are you such a big fan? Uh, Kenneth Dixon, I mean. I mean,
0: I, I love Kenneth Dixon because he's probably, to me, he's one of the most competitive runners in the entire draft class. He's got the ability to be a feature back at the next level because he's got the ability to make you miss as a ball carrier, both with wiggle and with power, run through arm tackles. He's a great third down back, catches the ball really well out of the backfield. I'm a big fan of Kenneth Dixon. He's got good vision inside. He's got good vision on the outside and open, in open space. I like Dixon a lot.
3: So, Jimmy, I respect your defenders. Oh. sorry Sorry, one more point on, on Dixon. Defenders at the senior ball had zero, like, safeties and linebackers, had no chance covering Kenneth Dixon there all week. And, you know, he's a guy that in kind of, in a way, I mean, he doesn't, his game isn't perfectly near a guy like Jamal Charles in, in Kansas City, but certainly from a, from a pass catch, catching perspective and being able to you know do things with the ball after he has the ball in his hands in the passing game, no, I think that's a guy that, that maybe could appeal to Doug Peterson. So that's
2: a fun exercise here yeah. because I think everyone, I think you were really on to the type of guys, the type of players who Chip Kelly liked by this point in the draft process. Now everyone's back to square one yeah. and saying, well, who exactly is going to be a Doug Peterson guy, a Frank Wright guy, a Jim Schwartz guy for the defensive side of the football? It's a big guessing game, so to speak, in terms of what types of players are they going to want for the offense and the defense moving forward, so it's going to be interesting to see if little clues like that, like pass catching ability of a running back, might be something the Eagles want. Now Jimmy, I have a lot of respect for your football acumen, so no surprise, you go offensive line with your next two picks here, Josh Garnett, the guard out of Stanford, and then in the fourth round, you go LaRaven Clark out of Texas Tech. Uh, A physical Marvel 6'6", long arms. Just talk about the importance of addressing the offensive line. We all know that Lane Johnson got his contract extension. That's out of the way. But certainly they need to infuse some youth because they haven't used a draft pick along the offensive line since they selected Johnson number 4 overall back in 2013.
3: Yeah, and they're the only team in the NFL that hasn't taken an offensive lineman in the last two years. And, And over the last three years even, they've only taken the one. And as you mentioned, Lane Johnson. During that span, the average uh, number of offensive linemen taken uh, by, by an NFL team, was, I think it was 4.25. So, like, the, the Eagles really kind of uh, let that offensive line go. They got old. They're the oldest offensive line in the league, you know, heading into this season. And that was uh, that was before they, they cut uh, Evan Mathis and, and Todd Harriman. And then even after that, they are like, two or three in terms of age uh, on the offensive line. So, you know, they kind of came into the season with, um, you know, and and – and, and a very, you know, they came in the season with question marks. Um, is the kind of way to put it at, at at you know both guard spots, and then you have Peters on the outside at, at left tackle, who in my opinion is you know kind of going through a decline. And he did battle through some injuries in, in 2015. Um, there was a report that he took himself out of the game. Um, that was really never that was, that was really never confirmed or anything like that. But, but there, there are that you know there are those concerns that he's going to continue uh, his decline. So you just have to really fill up the offensive line, both in terms of starters and in terms of depth behind them. So they really got to load up on offensive line talent. I actually have three of them in that draft. I think I had three in the first version, too, and I'll probably have two or three in everyone going forward. But, yeah, Raven Clark is a guy, like you mentioned, has 36-plus inch arms, is really athletic, and you know, he, they're going to have to work with any, any team that he lands with. They're really going to have to work with him. He played in that Texas Tech spread offense. didn't really do a lot of the things that NFL teams are going to ask of him. So if they are going to keep Jason Peters, in 2016, as Doug Peterson has said, he's a guy that can kind of sit and learn behind that. And then maybe in 2017 or 2018, he'll be ready to go at one of the tackle spots.
0: Jimmy, what I like is that you really double-dipped in a number of different spots. You know, you look at the eight picks that you have with the Eagles so far in your mock draft, five senior bowl players, which obviously is an interesting trend to follow, three offensive linemen, two quarterbacks. You had Lynch at 13, and then in the fifth round, you have Cardell Jones from Ohio State. What is it about Jones that really attracts uh, you to him in terms of a, a potential eagle?
3: I like if they're going to move on from Sam Bradford and they're going to take the quarterback early, I like the idea of taking two, kind of like the Redskins did when they drafted RG3 and, and Kirk Cousins. That way you kind of have two guys that can kind of be uh, groomed and, and developed simultaneously. Those guys can kind of challenge each other and have competition. In Cardell Jones, you have a guy that is, you know, what, 6'6, 250. He's a load, he can run got a really powerful arm, and in that way, he's kind of similar to Paxton Lynch. Now, Paxton Lynch is a big guy who can run. He's got a good arm, and both of them kind of need a little bit of refinement. So as long as you're going to develop one guy, you may as well develop two. And with those two guys having a very similar skill set, it just kind of made sense for me in that spot. It's going to be
2: interesting because fans are going to be more familiar with Cardell Jones. Yeah. So if he gets selected, even if they select Paxton Lynch at number 13, fans are going to be like, When's Cardell Jones becoming the starter? How quickly before he gets into the lineup? Because he has that can of an arm. He led the Buckeyes to the national championship, that amazing three game stretch that he had to carry them to the title. So there's going to be more sizzle with that pick, I feel, even if you draft Lynch at number 13.
0: Sure, yeah. And we all know what, what Cardell Jones can do with the football in his hands. I mean, obviously, an electric ball carry because of his size and because of his athleticism downhill, his ability to make defenders miss in the open field. I mean, he's. He's a hell of an athlete. He's an interesting player to watch.
2: All right, so in the fifth round, you hit the defensive line with Javon Hargrave, the defensive tackle out of South Carolina State. This is a very, very strong group of defensive linemen overall, and of course, there are a lot of reports about the Eagles trying to work out deals with Vinnie Curry and Fletcher Cox. You know, you know Cedric Thornton's about to become a free agent in March, so it wouldn't be a surprise that even though the Eagles defensive line is strong, they would still try to address it with one of these mid to late round picks.
3: Yeah, yeah. I remember the old days when uh, they'd have good talent along that defensive line and they'd just keep loading up anyway. <laughs> I think, you know, we may see that again. And uh, the guy that I had in the fifth round there was uh, Javon Hargraves, who. Fram would do this better than I. Fran, you were at the, the Shrine
0: Game week of practice, right? Uh, I
3: mm-hmm. was,
0: and he was one of the best players down there from from day one on. And then I thought, honestly, Jimmy, last week at the Senior Bowl, I thought he he fared well in the one day of practice too.
3: Yeah, he had a he had a white helmet on. <laughs> like he, he was he was a late ad, so they didn't they weren't able to ship his helmet in in time, so he just had this you know generic white helmet. I was like, who's that guy? And uh, he, yeah, he impressed me as well. I looked at his, I looked, I looked at uh, you know some of his games, and uh, he reminded me a little bit of and. And to preface this, this is the other side of the ball, but Amini Silatolu, who got drafted as a guard by the Carolina Panthers, I remember watching you know film of him back before uh, he got drafted, and it was like it was like he was like a 25 year old man playing Pop Warner, like <laughs> like right. he was blocking guys. It, it, it almost looked like when Christian, it's like you, you play with Christian Okoye in Tecmo Ball and like you'd run over, like he'd run and defenders would just be flying off of him and because he played at a, you know much lower level. Uh, of, of football and you know and so he reminded me in that in, in that regard because nobody could block him. I mean you'd have like these, these tomato cans at at at, at guard and at these smaller schools and, and Hargrave would just do you know basically whatever he wanted with him. So he's gonna have a big transition going from that level, you know, directly to the NFL. But I really did like what I see of, of him there. He's you know bigger guy. He's six one which is short, but he's you know three hundred and fifteen pounds or so. I think he can be, you know, one of those one gap penetrating defensive lineman that Jim Schwartz is going to covet.
0: Jimmy you went with another small school player with your next pick and that was James Bradbury, the corner from Sanford University. We saw him this past Wait, week at the senior Sanford. bowl. Sanford. Sanford. Sanford, Correct. Sanford uh University. We saw Sanford. him down at the senior bowl. All star six foot one. Obviously has good size for the cornerback position. What did you see from Bradbury that last week?
3: Yeah, he was physical. Um I actually he actually didn't stand out too much to me, in either in a good way or a bad way. The reason I had him in there is because there was a report that the Eagles had talked with him for about an hour, and that was you know Doug Peterson, uh, I believe it was Howie was there, and, uh, and somebody else. I don't think Jim Schwartz was, was in there, but the, the the report was that they that they really sat down with him and talked talked to him for a long time. And in terms of like you know Schenck mentioned a minute ago, it's all guessing game now on what they're gonna on what they're gonna you know value at each positional group. And by my logic, you know, if we're going to buy that Jim Schwartz is going to kind of tailor his defense to the personnel that they already have in place, and obviously they have Byron Maxwell and they have Eric Rowe at the starting cornerback spots, and both of those guys are long, you know, athletic guys that, that can, you know, use their length to get up and pressure at the line blind scrimmage. So, you know, I wonder if, they're, if, if we're buying that, that Jim Schwartz is going to, you know, play to the strengths of the, of the guys on their defense. Then they'll kind of <laughs> play the strength of of Rowe and Maxwell, and if they're going to play the strength of those two guys, then you know maybe we're taking another leap and saying they're just going to continue to target those guys in the draft. And I think that's kind of what James Bradbury gives you.
2: All right, we're going to the seventh round here, and I'll let you just touch on both of these guys here. You go offensive line and defensive line first. Isaac Samwalo, the versatile center guard from Oregon State, and then you ran out the draft with Quentin Jefferson, the defensive tackle out of Maryland, who you explain in your story, Jimmy, has a very intriguing backstory that's unique to most draft prospects.
3: Yeah, he uh, he's got three kids and <laughs> he's married. So he uh, you know he he has a lot more responsibility and or is used to having more responsibility than, you know, most of these other kids coming out of college and uh, I think it was Tony Pauline, who is a regular guest of yours. Uh, if if if, uh, if I'm correct, um, he tweeted that that Jefferson had you know was really impressive teams uh, when he's had interviews with him. So yeah, he was a guy that, that stood out to me in, in some ways during the week of practice. Got some penetration again. He's a little bit of a smaller guy. I mean, he's six four, which is okay height, but he's you know he's right around two eighty five, I believe. So, maybe you bulk him up a little bit and you put him in, in the interior of the defensive line. Maybe he can play some D entry as well, has some positional versatility there. But he's a guy, you know, in the seventh round, just to add a depth to that defensive line.
2: Your thoughts,
0: Frank? Yeah, and Jefferson's an intriguing guy. Again, you mentioned three kids, married his high school sweetheart in college, and has that positional versatility. Played some DN, played some D tackle at Maryland. So, definitely an intriguing player. And we know that uh, Jim Schwartz likes that length on the defensive line. So. How about
2: Samal? He's someone some, you've talked about in the past on the podcast. Yeah,
0: he's an underclassman. He's played some guard, played some center. I know he was pretty highly regarded coming into the year. I haven't watched him yet this season, but definitely is another guy that offers that positional versatility and play a number of different spots.
3: Jimmy Kemski. That, uh, that, that Peterson had mentioned, I mean, we, we had asked Peterson you know, what he was going to value in his offensive linemen, and that was the thing that he, that he said first and foremost was you know positional versatility because you don't know, you know. At some point during the season, you're going to have some offensive linemen go down, so you want guys that can play a number of spots uh, Milo, of course, is is a guy who, like Trey mentioned, had played, has played a number so he's actually played all five positions at, at Oregon State, and you know I think he's a guy that can come in. And like like Trey mentioned, he was maybe a little more highly thought of. He did suffer a pretty serious injury, so I think that's why people kind of have him rated around the sixth, seventh, and maybe even undrafted free agent area. Uh, I was surprised to kind of see him there, uh, sort of universally. But but as long as he's there, then I figured that that'd be a good spot for him in my in my you know dumb little mock draft. <laughs>
2: It's almost like the honorable mention section. Who could you get uh, at the end there? Jimmy, in the, uh, the quest for clicks, did an amazing job putting together a nine-player Eagles-only mock draft version two, which you can check out in detail on phillyvoice.com. Jimmy Kemski, thank you very much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Appreciate
3: it, guys.
1: Now it's time for Pick 6.
2: Really great stuff there from Jimmy or Mr. Relevant, and I was really proud that his daughter, who was actually, you could hear a little bit in the background at times, not too bad. but not too bad. Well behaved, because I think she's actually the one making the picks of when course. all is said and done. So that it's actually all dark
0: boards at this point.
2: It would actually be a pretty fun feature to have would. daddy versus daughter in terms of mock draft selection there.
0: Mocking the mock drafts. Exactly.
2: Um, it's time for our pick six, so let's find out who made a little bit of money the last couple of weeks at these all-star games, players who improved their draft stock the most. And I'll start off by taking the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Quarterback Carson Wentz sure. dropped the mic, done deal. Everyone wanted to know, could he hang with the big boys? Can he play the big-time football? How would he look, you know, go from North Dakota State and FCS program to being with the Alabamas, the Ohio States? the Floridas, the Georgia, all the big-time college football programs. Look, he showed up big-time, was, as Tony Pauline said, impressive in the meetings with the teams from an individual standpoint. He had great stuff on the field. You know, Overall, he showed that he is a first-round pick. Exactly how high does he go, we don't know, but he's definitely one of the legit quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Is he going to be a top-five pick? Probably when all is said and done, those are the players whose stock rise the most. But the main thing was he passed the test the way he needed to. So I'll take the easy way out and say Carson Wentz, North Dakota State, earned some money at the Senior Bowl. So
0: Wentz was voted by NFL scouts and by the Senior Bowl personnel as the best quarterback in terms of the week of practice at the Senior Bowl. The best overall player? wide receiver Braxton Miller from Ohio State. And Miller, obviously, uh, was talked about. I know he was a favorite of Tony Pauline. Tony mentioned several times this week that he seemed like he was the president of the fan club for Braxton Miller. Obviously, he had a great week, and we knew what kind of athlete he was coming into the week. We knew what kind of athlete he was coming into the season making the switch from quarterback to wide receiver you remember that week one game on prime time against Virginia Tech that six spin move in the open field and he raced it and took the took the ball to the house I think that he's got the ability to be a very good route runner showed some things at the senior ball and on tape this year uh, that he could develop even more in that in that phase of the game because he flashed the ability to be very very good and then also playing the ball in the air I was very surprised this year and last week how well he was playing the ball in the air a very natural athlete at going up and playing the football I I would say Miller really, really helped himself. I flash
2: the deuces because Tony Pauline thinks he's a second-round pick.
0: He does. When all is said and done, I so. he he very well might be right. There was I, there was another report. Some people think he might go in the end of round one. It might be a little rich, little rich. Yeah. But we'll see. <laughs> all right. Next up, I'll go a player we just
2: talked about with Jimmy Kemsky, LaRaven Clark, the offensive tackle from Texas Tech, six foot five, three hundred and twelve pounds. So looks apart physically. 36-inch arms. I mean, he's basically ridiculous. pushing Fran all the way off the set here. The question is going to be, can he go to a team that's going to be patient and have the time to develop him because he's coming from that spread option, that attack, you know, you're not going to see at the pro level. It's pretty much the exact opposite of a pro-style yeah. offense. So he's going to need time to develop and learn the techniques here. But if you come here, you know, say to Philadelphia, you learn behind the legs of Elaine Johnson and Jason Peters, Certainly, I think it's going to be that malleable ball of clay that you like to use, that phrase. So, I definitely think that from a physical standpoint, he's going to have evaluators and coaches drooling over the potential of what he could be at the next level. You look at Jason Peters, look, similar body frame. I know Jason Peters is up to 330, 340 at this point in his career, but 6'5 as well. He was a tight end once upon a time. So
0: Clark definitely has the frame to put on 330 and, and carry it well. Certainly. So I'll go to Raven Clark as
2: second player who made himself some money at the senior ball.
0: The one guy I was also at the senior Bowl that I was really a big fan of coming in, and he was the top safety. Uh, you know, in my rankings coming into the season, that's Jalen Mills, the, the corner down from LSU. He played corner this past week, played corner early in his career at LSU, played some slot, played some safety, played at the cornerback position all week last week. So he has that great positional versatility, was bought in and groomed behind Tyron Matthew early in his career, so he's got that ability to play a number of different roles for a defense. And the fact that he played the cornerback position at such a high level last week I think really, really helped himself, and now we have a guy that has that safety corner versatility. Remember last year, you had Demarius Randall from Arizona State who ended up going in the first round. Quentin Rollins, the corner from Miami Ohio, both guys went to the Packers. Randall was con- considered by many as a safety, and Rollins was considered by many as a corner. They both switched. Rollins played safety, and Randall played corner for much of the season. I think that you have a guy like Jalen Mills who can do similar type things for a football team.
2: All right. So my last person here, last player who I think made some money the last couple of weeks. Now, Mike Mayock is on the record as saying that he thinks there can be seven to eight Ohio State players yep. who go in the top 50 of this year's draft. Well, this player was once upon a time a Buckeye, so I don't know if ah. Mayock is counting him or not, okay. but it's a transfer who went to Eastern Kentucky, and that's edge rusher Noah Spence. Let me read you some of the stats here. He's 63 tackles, and a half tackles for loss, 11.5 sacks last season, a Harrisburg native, was unstoppable during the one-on-ones down at the Senior Bowl last week. Shorter arms, 31-inch arms, so that might be a little I'm bit of a I'm question, a but if you're putting him on the edge of 3-4 outside linebacker and having him get after the quarterback, seems like he could do that pretty well at the next level. So any questions about... Him, from that standpoint, I think were answered last week in Mobile.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the thing that's most impressive about what Noah Spence can do is that coming into the year, my questions were he was kind of a one-trick pony as a pass rusher. If He, he would try to win on the outside. He had that one uh, rip move. He'd, he'd win with a hand swipe and get on the outside. And if he didn't get that, play was over. He was done. He showed the ability to counter this past season, showed the ability to win multitude of ways, went speed to power, was able to win with inside counter moves. The fact that now he has a, a much wider repertoire of pass rush moves, I think will go a long way to his draft stock. I, and he had a great week last week, so uh, no arguments from me there. The other guy, this will be the lone guy from the Shrine game, and that's Keenan Reynolds, yeah. the, the Swiss Army knife from, from Navy. He was a, a great quarterback for three years For the midshipman, should have been a Heisman finalist this year, should have been up for the running for the award, but obviously was not, Uh, was held out in New York, but a very, very impressive athlete, got to see him in person at the Shrine game, a little bit undersized, and that'll be an issue, I was worried about whether or not he was big enough to hold up at the the running back position, but I'll tell you what, after seeing him catch the football uh, in person, really almost effortlessly uh, throughout the week of practice, Mike Mayock brought it up. Potential slot receiver mentioned it earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Could he be that kind of offensive weapon for an offense for a football team and a creative offensive coordinator? You have a guy that can play in the slot, can run routes against linebackers, maybe get him against the safety. I think he's got that kind of athleticism. Keenan Reynolds, I think, helped himself in a big way two weeks ago at the Shrine game.
2: It's gonna be interesting next week, Fran, when Alex Smith comes back on the podcast. Yep. We've got to fit a third. We got to fit a third man at oh, this we'll, table. we we'll make
0: it work. We'll make it work. <sighs>
2: He could sit on your lap or something like that. (laughs) Well, Alex Smith, we miss him dearly on vacation this week after working so hard over the last two weeks, even though Fran decided to still come back for more. But nonetheless, Alex caught up with Keenan Reynolds at the Shrine Game. Here is their one-on-one interview in The Unofficial Visit.
1: The Unofficial Visit. I'm here with Keenan Reynolds from the U.S. Navy Academy. Uh, Keenan... Obviously a highly illustrious career, but what's it like for you to be here with all these guys around these coaches here at the Shrine
4: Game? Um, It's pretty awesome, you know, to play and compete with some of the best players in the country and then have some of the best coaches to ever coach uh, at all on any level. Um, You know, give you instruction, Hall of Famers give you instruction. I mean, it's truly a blessing. I'm trying to soak up as much as I can before I leave. So you played in
1: that triple option style offense at Navy. Uh, So what's the biggest uh, challenge in the transition for you into kind of a more pro style running back?
4: Um, just uh, the terminology and then obviously the footwork. Um, just little, little things, just a little things. Um, and, you know, just got to spend a lot of time focusing on those and, and, and preview to the details, and I think that'll help ease the transition.
1: What kind of feedback have you gotten from the coaches here? I know you've only been here for a few days, but what have they been telling you?
4: Um, you know, just, again, focus on the little things. Uh, the footwork stuff, the, the play action stuff, the chipping, the pressing a line before you make a cut, just little things like that.
1: And I've seen you have taken some snaps at quarterback, kind of that read option style. Um, do you think that's something that you can translate into the next level, kind of an extra element to your game?
4: Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to show versatility, catching the ball out of the backfield, running the ball, running, running some quarterbacks. So, you know, I just want to show that I can do all I can, I can do anything that's asked of me, and and uh, be successful at it.
1: My last question for you: When you first started playing football, did you think that you'd ever be in this situation, with the possibility of playing in the NFL being so close?
4: Um, you know, obviously anybody that plays the dream is the NFL and, you know, to actually be here and have the opportunity is truly a blessing. Um, but, you know, we just got to keep working, got to keep grinding and see what happens. On the clock.
2: Great stuff there from Alex and Keenan. Now it's time for a little on the clock. I will admit, I'm not the best to come up with the games. That's Alex Smith's forced Hay. It is. So... I tried my hand at it this week and I'm
0: excited. I'm excited to see what you got. So
2: my game is called the Crystal Ball. Okay. I'm gonna throw four statements at you. I wanna keep it senior bowl themed so to come off the Senior Bowl, so they're about senior bowl guys. Okay. And just statements about down the line, whether it's right after the draft, six months from now, end of next season, will these statements be true or not?
0: To always look back at these, this will be good, and maybe even
2: down the line. I'll go down the line, especially this first one. You're not going to be able to really answer this one next season. But number one, we talked about Carson Wentz all during the podcast. Will he be the best
0: quarterback out of this entire draft class? You know, I think that right now you got to say yes because he's. The best all-around player at the position, to me, you know, watching all, the, all of these top names, uh, I would say he is the safest player of this whole group. And it's funny that you would say he's safe coming from the lower level of competition. But uh, and we said earlier, you're just, you're just checking boxes yep. with him. I think that he's got, got the ability uh, to be the best player in this class at the position.
2: Number two. Okay. Here's the statement. How did Sean Oakman fall out of the first round of the draft?
0: Is that something that we'll be uh. saying? I don't, I don't think it'll be something we're saying. You know, I mean, we see that every year. We see guys, you know, how did Vontez Burfecht go undrafted? You know, how did Michael Johnson go, uh, you know, fall late in the round? How did Greg Hardy fall in the draft? And there are always, there's always those physical freaks that you know, come out, and he's certainly one of them, and he certainly looks the part. But he just doesn't always play to it, and he's a Philly native. Pretty sure he grew up an Eagles fan. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he progresses throughout his career because you want to root for him. It seems like you know, obviously, he had some off the field issues at Penn State that resulted in and him, in, in, in him ending up at Baylor. Mm-hmm. It seems like he turned the corner. I'll be very interested to follow his career.
2: Did have two sacks of Carson Wentz? He did in the Senior Bowl. Yeah, Six, eight, 269
0: pounds. Crazy! It's ridiculous frame. Ridiculous. That's
2: that's what everyone's chasing.
0: Yeah. Oh, those abs, you know? The, the, and look, the, if you were to just take his 15 best plays and just put them against the other 15 from some of the other best pass rushers in the, league, in, the, uh, in the draft class, you would say he belongs in that group, but you just don't see it often enough.
2: Next statement here on our crystal ball segment on the clock. Nick Martin okay. will be a plug-and-play day one starter just like his brother Zach.
0: Here's the, I was actually talking with Josh Norris about this. Josh thinks that and our good friend from Roto World, we've had him on the podcast numerous times. Okay. Josh looked at all the centers that were at the, dra- at the Senior Bowl last week. He thinks every single one of them is a starter down the road, every single one. My one question was Nick Martin, and, yeah. and, I, and I, I think he's a good player, and I, I got a chance to talk to him, and he seems like a great guy. Obviously, he like, they love the bloodlines. He has an idea of what it takes to succeed at the NFL level. On the field, I just had a couple questions about him now. He's got that guard center versatility. I think that whole stick, the question will just be how effective of a starter will he be? I think that some of the other centers uh, offer a little bit more. I love the Evan Baim kid from Mizzou. Okay. I think Graham Glasgow from Michigan really, really helped himself. I almost put him in for my pick six in the last segment you know, for those two really weeks. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. would have be been going. He helped mm-hmm. himself immensely. Uh, you know, but I, I think Nick Martin is a solid player. I just don't know that he's going to be a day one plug and play, you're set for 10 year kind of starter. Okay.
2: Last one here. Jihad Ward, the defensive lineman,
0: okay. will Philly be native.
2: Philly native, defensive rookie of the year.
0: Ooh, defensive rookie of the year.
2: You know, I think strong that's strong defensive draft class. Yes. But he offers the positional versatility; could play end, could go inside if need be, can get to the quarterback.
0: I'm going to go with the field and just say no. Kay. As much as I love him, I, I'm a big, big fan of Jihad Ward. I did, and it's funny. I talked to him at the senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I asked him. I wanted to make sure before we brought him on camera. I said, "Hey, you know, before I ask it, you, like you're an you're an Eagles fan, right?" He looked offended. He was a he couldn't believe that we've talked to players in the past really? that had grown up in Philly and were not Eagles fans. So it was just funny. Like, he, so he starts guessing. He's like, "Oh, is Sharif Floyd not an Eagles fan?" And he starts throwing <laughs> names under the bus. I'm like, "Look, I don't remember exactly who it was. I remember that some guys we've talked to from the area were not." But Sharif uh,
2: Floyd was an EYP top achiever.
0: Really? Did you know that? I did not know that. Yep. There, there you, you go. have it. This comes full circle. Exactly. Now, Jihad Ward's a great player, and I, I've talked about him numerous times in this podcast, just his ability to win inside, outside. Uh, he can win with power. He can win with speed. He's another one of these guys like Sean Robinson that's got a ridiculously high motor for his size. Uh, I'm a big fan of his game. Okay. So, that's
2: the on-the-clock me, the crystal ball. A couple of statements I threw at Fran. He hadn't looked at him in advance, so I don't know how off-guard I caught you there, but handled it pretty well. Thank you. It was good good questions. So, I tried. So, Mm -hmm. Alex, my apologies. All right. He'll be back next week to take over the ship. So, uh, we're going to finish things off in our draft mailbag, our questions from you to round out
1: the podcast. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag.
2: All right. It's our last segment here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Your questions in our draft mailbag. And the first one comes from Neil Dutton, who goes by at NDutton13 on Twitter. Do you guys think the Eagles will spend a high pick on an offensive lineman? I certainly think that it's a possibility. I'm not going to sit here on February 2nd as we're recording this yep. and say without a shadow of a doubt, because as Jimmy Kemsky kind of unveiled in his mock draft, you can see scenarios why things would change, but no question that there are going to be some players there in that 13 range. If you're a Taylor Decker fan, a Jack Conklin fan, a Cody Whitehair fan. Ronnie Stanley, I wouldn't Ronnie him Stanley, out no, if he gets no. a 13. So certainly there are guys who could be in that range, and you still need to shore it up, whether short-term, you're talking about inside players, the guard positions, or long-term yep. at the tackle spot.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that when you look at uh, this offensive line group as a whole, what is one of the things I've talked about? You know, ad nauseum over the past three or four months, the depth. I, I think that, especially inside and guard and center, I think there's really good depth in this draft class. And didn't uh, Doug Peterson say uh, last week at the, at the Senior Bowl that he was impressed with his offensive line class overall? Yes. Yeah. The
2: three strongest positions, quarterback, secondary, and offensive line. Did not mention defensive line, which I yeah. thought was actually quite surprising. So, too. But three positions at the Eagles have some question marks. Yeah. Good address. So.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm, t- I'm a fan of the offensive line class overall. Again, maybe not you know five or six first-round type talents, yeah. but a lot of talented players, a good depth in that group.
2: Okay, next cu- question comes from Jeff, who goes by, and I had to double-check with you on this one. Yes. At Philly <laughs> Freck, 215. Not Philly, Philly Freak, Freak or something like that. Philly Freck, 215. He'll have to let us know uh, the story behind it. If Vernon Hargraves from Florida falls to number 13, does Howie pull the trigger because he's a Florida guy. And to me, I don't think it's because Howard Roseman's right. a Florida guy or anything like that. I think certainly the question's going to be Vernon Hargraves isn't as big as the corners and the defensive backs that the Eagles have looked at in recent years. So that's one reason you might want to question him. But what does Jim Schwartz want? You know, obviously Corey Unlin, you bring him back from the last coaching staff, but schematically, what is Schwartz going to want? And typically, Schwartz's head Bigger, longer corner. So I figure the guys like Byron Maxwell and Eric Rowe, they would fit into the mold. Vernon Hargraves, I know you're not as high on him as some of the other defensive backs in this year's draft class, but at 13 you might be willing to pull the trigger. I think the size thing is going to be one of the question marks there.
0: That's the thing that will be interesting to watch, is that I don't know that you can look at Vernon Hargreaves and say, yep, for in the, on this team, in this scheme, yeah. that we're going to presume that the Eagles would want to run. And Jimmy mentioned it earlier, was if you're going to look at the corners that are on this team right now and if you want to put them in the best position to succeed and make the most out of their talent, you're going to want them up at the line of scrimmage and pressing. I don't know that you want Vernon Hargreaves doing that on a consistent basis. Now, the other thing to talk about, the Eagles could have a needed slot corner. You know, do you want Malcolm Jenkins being your slot corner and your free safety and base? Now, then you know, that begs the question: Do you want to draft a slot corner at 13th overall? That's another, that's another question. You could, if you say it's a starter in the defense and all that, I mean that, that's a, a valid question. I just I don't know that that Hargreaves and Mackenzie Alexander, same thing from Clemson. No. I don't know that they're going to be top 15 picks. I, I just think that the, those smaller really? corners. I don't know that those small corners have been going uh, as high. Hey, uh, doesn't mean that they're not good players. I mean, Jason Verrett from, uh, from TCU a couple years back, he ended up, I think it was 30th overall or 31st it was, it was overall. He was in that in the first round, he was in Pro Bowl. And he's turned a nice player for San Diego. Yeah. So I, I, they, it happens, but not a lot of those guys go high at this point. All right, next question comes from Bid the Kid
2: at JB1DD on Twitter. Since you've been covering the Senior Bowl, which juniors, which underclassmen... Should we start keeping our eyes on? Because now we transition yeah. to this part of it where... Yeah, so
0: I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. Any guys that are underclassmen I haven't watched, now I'm spending time and I'm trying to catch up on so I can talk about them on, the, on this podcast. But uh, talk about Ashawn Robinson, obviously is a guy that I think a lot of people are going to continue to bring up with the Eagles, especially uh, with the move to the 4-3. You know, will he be a fit in what Jim Schwartz wants to do up front? I think that... Uh, you look at a number of different positions. You know, if you look at the tight end spot, we've talked about that. The wide receiver position. You know, Laquan Treadwell. You know, what if he's there at 13? If you think that he is a, a dominant number one receiver type player, uh, do you pull the trigger on Laquan Treadwell? I'm a big fan of Tyler Boyd from Pittsburgh as well. I don't know if he's going to go top 15. I think that he is that kind of a player. I, I think he's one of my favorite receivers in the draft. Greg Lewis coached him. At Pitt. That's a that's a good point. I didn't I didn't think about that. That's a good one. I like that. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of talent in a number of different positions. The underclassmen, there was a huge number this year, 96 official underclassmen with 11 that were graduate underclassmen, yes. so the number overall was 107 players that left their you know, eligibility on the table for their college career, the highest number uh, on record.
2: All right, the last question for our Journey into the Draft podcast presented by AAA Mailbag comes from Jesper Hagen at Jesper Hagen on Twitter. Is there any possibility, this is a good one, this is a fun question, I like it. This is a good one, I like where his head's at. Is there any possibility the Eagles re-sign Sam Bradford and double down on the quarterback (laughs) position and still draft one at number 13, which would be a shock to the system if it happens? Because if they re-sign Sam Bradford, the assumption is going to be they're not doing it in the draft. Now, now I'm not talking about
0: franchise tagging. I was going to say, that would be the one caveat. If you franchise tag Sam Bradford...
2: No, to me that leaves open the possibility because it's a one-year deal. Right. You need you say okay, maybe Bradford is your stopgap guy for a year, and then right. you draft and develop a guy. The question: if you sign him for a five, let's say five-year yeah, deal, right,
0: right, and paying him the money that would go along with that, I don't know that you can do that.
2: I don't know if you can do it either.
0: I don't know if you can do it. I,
2: I think if you re-sign Sam Bradford to yep. a long-term deal, you're hitching your wagon to him, yep. and you're building the rest of the team around him to go win, and to win is. Quickly as possible. I would agree. You know, this is a situation where, you know, if it was a three-year contract and maybe there's only a couple of years, you can groom the guy, you can make more of an argument for it. Unless you're just so in love, if if you think Paxton Lynch is like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, the next Aaron Rodgers, where I can sit him for a couple of years, but he'll be my guy. Yeah. When the time comes, that's different. We don't know obviously what the Eagles, the the brain trust, think of the quarterbacks at this point, but. To me, I think if you're signing Bradford to a long-term deal, you want to build around him to win now.
0: Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. That, that would, would be the shock. That would be the only. That would be the only <laughs> thing. Would be if it was a franchise tag situation, then do you work around it that way.
2: Now it's really funny. Uh, an exercise that Max Rappaport, our writer on the site, and I did the other day. Going back, we're, we're working on a series uh, that will start probably next week or so on the site called Draft Memories, and okay. it's. And his players recall on the draft process. Okay. So, Jordan Matthews, we got his backstory, and yep. he talked about the emotions, and uh, I don't want to give too much away, but basically he thought going to the draft, it was going to be the Eagles or the Panthers. Okay. And he actually shared a, a story where when you get to Radio City, because it was the last year of Radio City, they give you a number of where to line up on stage for the picture. Okay. Well, it was 22, which was the Eagles' pick. So, he's thinking, oh, this is meant to be it's, right. it's gonna happen here so when it didn't happen he was like when the Eagles traded back to 26 well Jordan's like well I guess it's gonna be the Panthers but it's just sort of intriguing that I actually don't quite know where I'm going with the end of the story
0: here. it's just interesting to follow how some of these guys I didn't know that some of these guys have an idea of it down to one or two teams yeah. you know, as much as oh, this, is, this is where I'm going to end up. They
2: probably just think about the fact that who's shown the most interest yeah. during the draft but process. Think, uh-huh.
0: And BT, help me if I'm wrong, didn't Brandon Graham have no idea that the, that correct. the Eagles were interested? I mean, That's it's correct. just interesting that there's uh, so many different levels of interest and uh, what players think about where they could end up once the draft process finishes up. Yeah.
2: The point I guess I'm trying to make it is a surprise element that you just sure. never know what's going to happen. But just going back and watching, we were actually watching... The Eagles draft live telecast just oh, yeah. to get there just to go. get all the reaction of what yeah. was going on during that time. At 22, you have Despierre and Merrill Reese, and you know I think they were thinking it would be Marquise Lee, the receiver who went to Jacksonville. That I, name we heard a you, million if, if times. If You
0: set the over under at 145 <laughs> and a half times. Mentioned Marquise Lee by Merrill, it would probably be over. Over
2: exactly. It so. was every two seconds. But Spud's did chime in. He goes. I think you could see a team like Cleveland, I think he mentioned Cleveland by name, sneak back up to get Manziel. Okay? But then we get to 26, and nobody thought that Mark Smith would be the guy for the Eagles at that spot. You know, there, I think Marquis Lee was, again, oh, it's got to be him at this point. they got to go with the receiver. And then to get that surprise element of what happens when it's the the guy that you're not expecting there. Even, at that even after
0: the pick, uh, every time Merrill will talk about it and say, when they said "Mar" for Marcus Smith, That's right? Thought he was going to be Marquise Lee. He, and thought, Mar- he thought Goodell said it wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he actually thought he was like well, Good, Goodell said it wrong. Yeah, he, Mar- he called him Mark. He called him Marcus, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Marcus. Lee. Oh, of course, and Marquise Lee hasn't uh, hasn't exactly panned out yet with Jacksonville no, either. So. No, but uh, Allen Robinson, sure, certainly
2: has. Course, He's yes. been a stud
0: for them. Absolutely.
2: Well, how, what did what did Goodell? How did Goodell pronounce uh, Mariota's name? He, he uh, botched his name yeah, big time. It was, um, I can't I don't recall. Remember. Yeah, exactly I'll, have to, I'll have to go back. I'll, I'll go back and listen to that after go. we finish mark. things off here. So, again, thank you very much for watching, listening, however you consume your podcast. Again, make sure to rate and comment and let us know what you want to hear or see. Moving forward, again, each and every week, we will be bringing you the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. For Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. Somewhere in the hemisphere is Alex Smith, Brian Thomas, behind the scenes. Thank you very much for making this happen. We will be back next week.